Anyway, uh, last week we started this series, and uh, it is the most listened to podcast we've ever had. Uh, it is the most feedback we've ever gotten from a message, and it wasn't because, like, man, you were on fire today, Pastor Clint. It has nothing to do with me, right? Like, it wasn't, I think this is just striking a chord with all of us that we all feel rushed. We all feel like we're in a hurry, and we all feel like we got to get stuff done. I've caught myself telling the kids, Hurry up a couple times. And I'm like, you know. I have two and then I go, oh, wait, okay, don't hurry. Um, move with purpose. Yeah, <laughs> just have a it. sense of urgency. That's all I'm asking. Have a sense of urgency sometimes, right? No, but, um, and so I, I think most of it has to do with this is Pastor Stephanie's first time teaching last week. And so she came back and I'm like, hey, this many people liked it. Get back up here, right? Let's do it again. So anyway, Steph's going to recap last week, but I'm super excited about this week. I think it's going to be great. So we started with looking at the problem of hurriedness and talked about how the problem of being hurried, um, being busy isn't the problem. It's the pace at which you're trying to move is the problem because we cannot keep it up. Um, and I think a lot of times we feel a lot like this. We got a video. Yep. Check us out. Yes, ma'am. Now, the candy will pass by on this conveyor belt and continue into the next room where the girls will pack it. Now, your job is to take each piece of candy and wrap it in one of these papers and then put it back on the belt. You understand? Yes, sir. Yes, yes. ma'am. <laughs> Let her roll! <laughs> Let her roll! <laughs> well, wait here. Somebody's asleep at the switch. <laughs> What are you doing up here? I thought you were downstairs boxing chocolates. Oh, they kicked me out of there fast. Why? I kept pinching them to see what kind they were. <laughs> this is the fourth department I've been in. Oh, I didn't do so well either. All right, girls. Now, this is your last chance. If one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped, you're fired. Yes, ma'am. Let her roll! <laughs> Well, this is easier. Yeah, we can handle this, okay?
so good. That is. I, when Ethel starts and she's going. <laughs> this is easy, right? That's, I mean, that's my life. That's how, that's how I live my life. Like, oh, I got this. And then it just keeps coming and keeps coming and it gets overwhelming. So that is, we, we feel like we're fighting a losing, or we're, we're playing a losing game is what they said. Um, but so last week we nerded out and looked at history of time and our concept of time and how we've created just... Um, the nine to five and our relationship with time over the history of the world. We took a few minutes to think about our phones and what our phones are really doing to us. Um, Miss, how many of you spent less time on your phones this week? Anybody? My screen time told me I did. Did you? Good yeah, job. Yeah. I did. I did too. Not like it, still way more than I would like it to be, but less. Um, and then we took a look at Jesus's life. Jesus was literally the least hurried person who has ever lived. He heard his best friend was dying and he was like, I'll get there. And just, you know, hung out where he was. His best friend died because he was not in a hurry. He later brought him back to life. So, you know, it was all good. But, um, and then we looked at this passage in Matthew 11. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And then you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Uh, So we learned what a yoke was. We learned that it is not just a tool that you use with animals and, you know, pulling things, plowing a field. But uh, the context of it was it's also a word to describe um, a teacher's way of teaching about how to handle the burden of life. Because we also talked about everybody's carrying a burden. Being human comes with a set of pressures. Um, We talked about like the weighted vest, right? That we're all carrying this. And Jesus is going, hey, I have a better way. Take my fishing vest. It's super light. It's breathable. It's got all the pockets, all the stuff you need. It's right here. And that's what Jesus is offering us. And we learned that if we're going to take that yoke on, then that means we're going to be Jesus's apprentice and being an apprentice. Our challenge to you this week was to, um, spend time with Jesus, be more like Jesus and to do what Jesus would do if he were you. So that was the recap. This next two weeks, we're going to be talking about being an apprentice of Jesus. And what does it mean to do what Jesus would do if he were you? So to be able to do that, we need to know what did Jesus actually do? What were his physical habits um, that he did that allowed him to live such an unhurried life? Um, Because if we don't put those into practice, we're going to feel like Lucy and Ethel. And that life is just coming at us and we cannot keep up with it. Um, And let me go ahead and tell you guys that these are not like sexy, cool things. Like these are things that you already know um, that you probably already don't feel like doing. But think of them like fundamentals of your life. And when I think of fundamentals, I think of sports transparency i didn't play a lot of sports but shocker (laughs) when i think of when i was a talented dancer yeah i I danced and sang and did theater and we had our own set of fundamentals but when i think of fundamentals um i think of like free throws and basketball like those aren't fun they're not glamorous they're not uh yeah when was the last time you saw a poster of a famous NBA player shooting a free throw, right? For you to buy. It just doesn't exist because it's not fun, right? Like, yeah, not fun I, saw, I saw um, an article, and I don't know basketball. There was a guy who was really good who would do 500 jump shots at each practice he went to. Like, that's thousands in a week. Like, but that's what he did because when the time came for the game and it came to, for him to take those shots, he had confidence because his mind and his body was practiced and it was ready to go. And that's what we need to do. We need to practice these habits and practice these fundamentals so that when life gets crazy and that pressure of life lays on our shoulders, we are ready for it and we can 
we can live under it. Yeah, so these principles are your free throws. All right, so y'all ready to take some free throws for a second? Y'all ready to do this? Come on, give me some nods. Do something. Okay, we got to do some free throws. It's not fun, but guess what? You need it. You need to learn how to do these things. And I'm just going to tell you, this first one for me is even hard for me to teach on because I dislike it that much. Okay, I just want to tell you right now. See, what, you said this, it's amazing? This is, this is my dream. This is okay. the one that I'm like, let me do that every This week. is not for me, all right? Here's the first one. Here's your first free throw right here. Is silence and solitude. All right, write it down. Silence and solitude. Now, I, well, this was not planned, all right? But I'm gonna do this because I think it'll prove a point. We're gonna sit, get your stopwatch out. We're gonna sit in silence for 30 seconds. All right, just 30 seconds. I'm not physically... We're going to be silent, and we're just going to hear what's happening in this room. All right? You ready? Uh-huh. No. Not seven minutes and 30 seconds. All right. Here we go. Okay. How many people hated that? I hated every, it's going to be an invigorating podcast right there. That's a a good podcast material. But seriously, when was the last time you sat in that much silence right there? Just uh, nothing, there's no music playing. You don't have a podcast on, right? Like this is my worst nightmare. I robed Kevin into riding to Indianapolis with me and back on the same day because I didn't want to be by myself for that long. Like, I, I don't like being by myself. I don't like silence. I hate it. Like, it, there's something about it that's just so anti-me. And I think that a lot of us in this room probably share that. When was the last time you drove to work and didn't have anything on the car, right? Like, uh, how many of you, let me ask this question, have memories that predate you having a phone? Like, you have memories of yourself not having a phone, okay? Come on, Raise your hand. Most, okay, almost everybody in here. Okay, how many of you have memories of having a phone, but it wasn't a smartphone, it was a flip phone or like a Nokia brick? All right, come on. Okay, now for me, uh, this was about from birth to high school. All right, I didn't get a phone really until I started driving. I don't even remember when I really got my first phone, but it was somewhere around 16. Um, and but even bef- then it wasn't smart. No, it wasn't a smartphone. It was a piece of metal. I remember this phone. And I would, it was like a party trick. I would take this <laughs> phone and throw it across the room to prove that it was indestructible. And it never broke. It never did. I remember this several times. My buddies uh, would do this. But anyway, I remember this was for me about 16. I got my first phone. And all it could do was really make phone calls because texting then costed you like five or 10 cents a text message. You, you remember this? And you had phone minutes. Like you couldn't even use your phone that much. Call me after nine minutes are free. Yes, or on the weekends and they would roll over. It was so stupid, but that was our life, right? Like that's what it was. But before you had a phone, like you would go to the movie theater. And if you're like me, you're getting to there 30, 45 minutes for the movie starts because you not to, exaggerating either. I know. You have to, I'm, you should see me at an airport. All right. I'm just telling you, I get there early. But you get to the movie early. I get this from my dad. This is, uh, this is a Mike Lamberth move right here. I just I learned it. Um, and you would show up, you know, it's, if you're normal, 15, 20 minutes before, but you had to go get your, you had to have your, you had to go pick your seat. Like you we couldn't reserve a seat. You had to go like just sit in the seat that was available when you walked in the theater, right? 
And before you had a phone, you would just sit there. Can you imagine living this life right now, right? Like you would sit there and you would watch the dumb scrolling commercials on the TV, on the, on the TV, the screen, and you would, you would just sit and you'd have, you would just have to talk to the person you went to the movies with. Like you would just do this before your phone, you would go to the post office and you would stand in line and you would, your ears would just have to succumb to whatever radio station they were playing in the post office, even if you hated it, right? Because you didn't have AirPods, you didn't have podcasts, you didn't have like, unless you had a Walkman CD player, right? Or a, a cassette player with the hair, the headphones that would rip your hair out when you would take it, like you would just have to sit and, and sit in line. Like you couldn't do anything else. Before your phone, you would go to the doctor's office and you would just sit and wait on the doctor. And if you were lucky, they would have these things that had, they were made of really thin paper. They were bound to get, they're called magazines. Y'all remember magazines? Y'all know what these are? And you would sit and go, and for me, I'm like, I don't care about Southern Living Magazine. I'm, I'm eight, you know, like I, I couldn't care less about this. And all the highlights magazines would already be colored in and all the answers would be filled in. And so you would just sit, you have to sit and wait on the doctor. And then once the doctor was ready to see you, you would go into a smaller room and you'd have to wait some more for the doctor to walk in and actually come see you. And if you're like me, you couldn't just sit still. You would just go look through all the drawers, see what things were in everything. I'd be, when the dentist would walk out of the thing, I'd always squirt the water, you know, like I, I just like doing this. And then we got phones and now we don't sit in silence anymore. We imagine this before phones, when you had to go to the bathroom, you just went to the bathroom. You didn't sit and play anything. You didn't watch anything. You didn't catch up on Instagram. Like how much time has been wasted in the bathroom now that the smartphone has been invented, right? But, but seriously, uh, we equate all these situations to boredom. Right, like we, we, like I know Thomas forgot his phone the other day, and he lives, you know, four hours from here, and couldn't go back. To, it was like you can't go back, get your phone. So now, if you're like me, if I leave my phone somewhere, I'm just like I'm doomed to be bored now for the next <laughs> however long I don't have my phone. Right, because we equate waiting, we equate silence, we equate being by ourselves as being bored, and bored equals bad. Right, like bored is not good. But I would start to challenge us tonight as we begin and challenge myself as we think about this is I want to tell you, bored might not be bad. In fact, I think when we're bored and when we don't have anything to do and we're forced to sit in silence, thank you, in solitude, there was something on our screen. If we're forced to sit in silence and solitude, that doesn't equal boredom. In fact, I think that those moments are full of potential and they're disguised as boredom. But we've gotten so used to living this lifestyle of instant gratification, instantly uh, being able to look something up on our phone, instantly be entertained, instantly just be distracted or escape by using our phones and, and using things around us that we've forgotten that in these moments, maybe God is trying to meet us. You know, uh, it, it takes a nanosecond for us to be bored. We could be sitting in a drive through 30 seconds from moving forward to getting the thing that we ordered and we're checking Instagram while we're waiting. Got 30 seconds, Instagram open, Facebook open. Oh, next song. And you're, we're constantly distracted. We're constantly moving from one thing to the other and we've missed these potential moments. Maybe God is trying to show you something in this moment. Maybe God wants you to make a difference in someone else's lives in that moment, but we're not present enough to notice these things because we don't want to be bored. Microsoft did a survey and found that 77% of young adults answered yes 
when asked, when nothing is occupying my attention, the first thing I do is reach for my phone. All right, moment of honesty. The second that nothing is occupying your attention, how many of you, your first reaction is to reach for your phone? Come on, that's mine. Okay. We're a part of the, it's probably higher than seven, let's be honest, higher than 77%. But this is our new normal. I know we've heard a lot of that since COVID started. Like, this is our new normal and blah, blah, blah. But like, this is really our new, like, it's normal for us to do that. And this digital distraction and this addiction to our devices and addiction to have something claim our attention, it is destroying, it's robbing our ability to be present. To be present to God, for one. To be present to your kids, to be present to your spouse, to be present to your other people around you. How many of you have gone to a dinner or someone's house or maybe even our house over the last few months and you get over and we're on our phones, right? Like uh, how many of us, is that? You, you, and it's robbing us of being present to the world around us. I mean, I just stood out here earlier and just looked at the trees, changing colors, they're starting to fall off and just appreciated it for a second, right? And, and most, and I wouldn't say most importantly, but very importantly is it's robbing us of the ability to be present to our own souls. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people in here are running from something and how you run from it is by distraction on your phone or distraction through Netflix or distraction through doing, being occupied with something. But when God is trying to encourage you to be like, hey, what if you just sat in silence and solitude? We're going to talk about what solitude actually is. It's not being alone. But what if you just sat and let God in on these situations? Here's how the author of the book we got all this from, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. His name is John Mark Comer. He said, the noise of this modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input that we most need. So we're going to look at how Jesus actually practice silence and solitude because we talked last week if we're going to be his apprentice we need to do what jesus did so we that's what we're going to what we're going to look at today because most of us aren't going to be able to escape the the chaos of our life but we can find ways to thrive even during chaos um so jesus actually practiced it super regularly and the earliest time that it uh that it's written about in scripture is in um matthew and it's it's right after he was baptized by john the baptist and so this is the start of everything john the baptist has been preparing the way he turns around and sees jesus and says behold the lamb of god who has come to take away the sins of the world and jesus gets baptized and it's uh and in that moment you know it's it's the whole trinity was together the dove flew down like the holy spirit and the heavens opened up and god looked down and spoke and said this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And this was a monumental moment in history, but in Jesus's life as a, as a human, because remember he was fully human and fully God. Um, and so this was his launching pad into ministry. But the very next line says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You think? Uh, and And then the temp, tempter came to him. That's in Matthew four. Um, so the very first thing Jesus does to start his ministry is to go into the wilderness. Um, and some translations say desert. 
Uh, And he did that for a month and a half. Like it wasn't like he went away for a few hours to gather himself. He went away for 40 days. Uh, And to to really kind of understand what that means, we need to understand what the the original word for wilderness means. Um, We hear that and we think of it like a desert. And it does mean desert. um, But the original word that is used is called eremos. Everybody say eremos. Eremos, there you go. And so the word Eremos has several different meanings. It does mean wilderness. It does mean desert. It means deserted place, desolate place, lonely place. And it also means a solitary place and a quiet place. Um, and there are several stories in all four Gospels. And, and, you know, the Gospels are really like biographies. They are a story of who Jesus was. Um, and there are several stories in every Gospel. And in fact, in Luke, if you were to chart Jesus's... Um, fame and his busyness and, and the directions he was being pulled, there would be a, a line going up and up and up with it for how much time he was spending away by himself in the quiet place, the Eremos. Yeah. So the more Jesus, the busier that Jesus got, the more time he spent in Eremos. All right. And it doesn't mean only the wilderness or it means he spent alone by himself. The busier he got, the more Eremos that he needed. And before I knew this, before reading this book, right, uh, I, I would look at this passage and think, that devil, like he's, he's kicking Jesus while he's down, right? Jesus has been fat. He's probably, he's definitely hungry. Uh, he's hangry. He's alone. He's by himself. He's so vulnerable, right? Like that is just like the devil to come get us when we're vulnerable. And I think I would challenge us to think differently because when we think wilderness, we think weakness, We think that wilderness equals weakness. But let me challenge you on that. You know, I I don't know if wilderness means weakness. And many of us, we walk through wilderness moments in our life and we think the same thing. Like, man, I'm I'm just wondering. I actually, we talked to our team yesterday and a lot of you were there. And I was talking about how I felt like our team has been, our church has been wandering around the wilderness, right? Like we've been wandering around. We don't have a home. We're kind of just like, I don't know where we're going right now. I don't really know what's next. I don't really know when we're going to get to go. Uh, And and now our church is finally going into its next season, our next chapter. But, and for so many, uh, you know, days and months of this last year, I thought, man, our church is in the wilderness. And I would equate that to weakness, but I would, the wilderness does not mean weakness. I would challenge and say that the wilderness is where God does his best work in you. And, and the reason why Jesus could face the devil himself and come out unscathed is because he had spent time in the Eremos fasting. He had spent time in the Eremos praying. He was not the most vulnerable. He was actually spiritually at his height. He was the strongest he's ever been spiritually in those moments. Why? Is because the wilderness is the time where Jesus starts to build in you what you need for your next season. And so many of us resist the wilderness and we go, I don't want to be there. I feel like I'm wandering around. But what if God is doing something in you in the Eremos? What if you chose to walk into the wilderness? What if you chose to go, you know what? I'm going to be distraction free for 24 hours. I'm going to put away my phone. I'm going to, I'm going to send the kids outside for a little bit, right? Or I'm going to send them to, and I just need to be by myself with God. That's what I need. That's what I need in this moment. And what if God used that to, instead of weaken you, to strengthen you? Because that's exactly why Jesus kept going back to Eremos over and over again. Is because he recognized that I can't, I can't strengthen myself. I can't center myself. I can't do these things if I'm around others. I can't do these things if I'm distracted. I can't do these things if I'm in a hurry. 
In Mark 1, for example, Jesus has a marathon of a day. I'm talking that joker, he woke up early and he's teaching in the synagogue. And let me tell you, after we teach, I mean, we're tired. It drains you a little bit, right? Like you get tired. Then he healed, he woke up, or not woke up, he got done teaching. He goes to Peter's house at lunchtime and he heals Peter's mother-in-law at lunchtime. After that, he stayed up late and he was healing sick people and he was delivering demons out of people. And I'm telling you, Jesus left that day and I guarantee you he was tired. But wasn't he fully God? Yes, but he was fully man. That dude got tired and exhausted. How many people showed up to help us yesterday at the place, right? How tired are you right now? I'm exhausted, right? And woke up this morning. I led worship at another church and I got home. I wanted to take a nap, but that went out the window. And then now we're here and I'm I'm tired. I'm exhausted, right? Jesus had this same experience and a normal person would go, I'm tired. I'm going to turn my alarm off. I'm going to sleep in and I'm going to veg tomorrow. That's what I just, that's what I'm going to do. Not Jesus. Here's what he does. Mark 1, 35. Before daybreak the next morning, before the sun came up, dude didn't sleep in. Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place. What do you think the word is that's used right there? Eremos. Jesus got up and he went to the Eremos to pray. And so just to be clear, Jesus spends 40 days A month and a half, he's been fasting, he's been praying. He comes back for one day. This happened right after he was tempted. He came back for one day of ministry where he healed people, he was teaching, and then he immediately goes back to the Eremos to pray. So he gets strengthened over these last 40 days. The devil himself tempts him. He does this amazing thing, and all of a sudden, he does one day of ministry, and he's like, got to go back. I got to go back. I got to get by myself. And maybe he was introverted. I don't know, but he needed to be by himself. He made it a habit of his life. Well, then he wakes up that day. He goes off by himself to pray. The disciples wake up much later because they're a lazy sack of bones, all right? So they, they wake up later. They freak out. They're trying to find Jesus because yesterday was awesome. And they all of a sudden they go to, uh, they, they finally find Jesus and he's just praying and they're like, Jesus, dude, you were on fire yesterday, bro. Like that was awesome. You healed Peter's mom, mother-in-law and we all don't really like her, but you healed her. That was pretty cool. And then, man, you, you were casting demons out of everybody. I mean, it was crazy. We got to go back to this town and we need to go do that again, man. You got to go back there. But Jesus replies with something different. He says this in Mark 1 38, he said, no. We must go to some other towns as well, and I'll preach to them too. That's why I came. How do you think? I mean, he had this clarity after being in the Eremos. Some of us don't have clarity. Seth's going to talk about that in a second, but man, what if we decided, man, you know what? Instead of leaning in and, and taking this day to just to veg and distract myself, what if we did, took some days to go into the Eremos? to find some silence and solitude because when we do, we find clarity and it centers us. It centers our souls and our life. And I would think that most of us probably wouldn't describe our life as centered or as clear and and, um, it would be more hurried and fast paced. But like I said, what if we decided to take time to go into Eremos and to do what Jesus actually did? And some of you are probably thinking, Pastor, that's awesome, but like, 
I don't, I, I don't, I'm not going to go into the desert. Like, how am I supposed to do this? Um, I, that's perfect because I want to give you guys some very practical tips. And it's an acronym. It is an acronym. So, so this is you exciting. Write it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first thing, the first step is to schedule your silence and your solitude. Um, if you don't make the time to do it, you're probably not going to do it. This isn't something that you can try to do because you don't try to go to like a birthday party. You don't try to go to Disney world. Like, but when it comes to stuff with God, sometimes you're like, Oh, well I'll I'll try to do that. But you're never going to do it. Uh, unless you make the time on purpose and set it aside. I'm still going to interject here because I want to for a second. (laughs) Um, yeah, I love this because we don't try to do things that we want to do. Like when was the last time you tried to make it for your kid's birthday party? No, no, you just, you go, right? Like, when's the last time you tried to eat dinner? Like, maybe some of you might be too, and if you're too busy to eat dinner, you're a little too busy, right? But like, you, you don't try to do things, you, but like, when it comes to church and things you, like of God that actually is gonna do something in your life and make a difference, like, I'll just, I'll try to be there. Well, no, how about, let's just be there. Let's, let's not try to make this a habit of, of slowing yourself down and scheduling this. Let's just do it. Because if you're going to try to do it, you're not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to make a decision and do this or nothing's going to change. And I think we've all agreed that our lives need to change, right? So don't try. Let's actually schedule it and go, even if for six hours, I'm going to turn my phone off. If the world burns down, burns down, so be it, right? But let's actually schedule it and make it happen. Sorry. Listen, Clint's saying six hours, but I'm saying you can you can meet with God if you have 15 minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes is going to make a difference to your soul. But schedule it. Say, I'm going to wake up at 5.45 instead of 6 o'clock. And that might still be early for y'all. Y'all are like, excuse me? Wake up 15 minutes earlier, leave your phone off, and spend time being quiet in the silence. Which goes into the second part, literally silence external noises. This isn't a time to turn on worship music. It's not a time to listen to a podcast, even a sermon. It's not a time to have people running around um, or music off in like a TV show off in another room. We mean literally find silence. So find a quiet room. If your house is like my house, you're probably going to have to go outside, go to your car, go to a park, find somewhere that you can be quiet and that everything around you is quiet. And then the third part is open your soul towards God. Um, that is the definition of solitude. Solitude does not equal loneliness. Solitude equals being alone with God. That's what solitude is. Allow God into your thoughts. Allow him into that big decision. Allow him into the thousands of scenarios that you've already run through your head. Allow him to get in there and to be with you in those moments. Um, and then the fourth thing is work through your internal noise. So you've scheduled the time you're making it happen. You have, it's quiet, right? You have opened up your soul to God. And now God can work with you to work on the internal noise. It's that chatter that's constantly running through your brain that won't shut up. Now you've allowed yourself to a time and place where God can start working that out and he can start sorting it out inside of you. Yeah, and solitude doesn't, like she said, I want to reiterate this because I had a a misconstrued view of this, is it doesn't mean you're by yourself and alone. 
solitude means it's an action. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get by myself, but I'm gonna open my soul to God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him do these things. And I think that's so important because until we silence everything, we can't allow God into these areas of our lives that's truly gonna change us if we don't do this. This is, Jesus modeled this, we have to do it. So that's silence and solitude, okay? The second thing and the last thing we're gonna talk about is, uh, is it, if we wanna do what Jesus did is we have to slow, so we're going to practice silence and solitude, but we're going to actually practice slowing down. Which happens to be what the acronym was. <laughs> yeah, the acronym is slow. Schedule uh, your silence and solitude. Literally, silence, right? Open your soul and work through your stuff. So once you do those things, you're going to start to slow your, your soul and yourself. But what I'm talking about when I'm asking you to practice the art of slowing is to physically slow your body down. Not just because once your body slows down, your mind can start to slow down. But if your body's moving, you can't slow your, your mind down. That's the way Jesus uh, made it happen. Like it, it's a whole person sort of thing. So you can slow your soul by practicing silence and solitude, but you gotta slow your body at the same time. And we can learn a lot from this uh, sort of lifestyle, okay? So we're gonna run through, as we end here, I might have to stand up, my left leg is going completely asleep on this bit, or this sore now. But um, we're gonna run through a list of 20 suggestions. Now, Clint, that sounds like a lot. It is a lot. I'm not asking you to remember all 20. I don't even remember all 20. I have notes up here, okay? So, but I want you to identify four of these things that you can physically do in the next week. Pick four. If four is too much, pick one. Pick one of these things, and I want you to do it. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to say things, and you're going to go, he's high. He's crazy. He's lost it. There's like, he's, 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 he's lost all of his marbles. And I, that might be true, but I want to change. Yeah. I want you to change. And it's going to take us to ruthlessly eliminate this hurry. We got to be ruthless. So here we go. Y'all ready for one? Don't laugh. Drive the speed limit. On New Shackle Island Road, that's nearly impossible. I'm just going to tell you yeah, right now. 35 degrees or 35 40. Degrees. It's oh 40, gosh. but my goodness, it's, it's so slow, right? But Drive the speed limit. Don't speed. Don't get in a hurry. Drive the speed limit and just enjoy your time. And that might be some of your only time to have silence and solitude, by the way, is when you're driving. Drive the speed limit. Physically slow down. Don't go under the speed limit or everybody's going to hate you. Yeah, don't okay? go so. under. All right, don't go under, but go the speed limit or, you know, you're going to get the middle finger at some point. Um, All right, number num two. Number two is related. Go, choose to go into the slow lane. Force yourself to get off of the hurry bus, pick the slow lane, and just drive in it. How many of y'all knew that the right lane even existed, right? I don't even go over there, right? Like, you got to but get in the slow lane. I think it's good. Yeah. It bit you in the butt. Oh, on, yeah, it did. Oh, my gosh. Like, so, you know, in preparation to teach this, like, <laughs> I was trying to put these, literally put these things into practice. So I'm driving the girls to dance. They go to dance in Gallatin. So I'm driving down Gall like uh, Vietnam Vets, and I'm like, I'm going to take the slow lane. We got some time. I left, like... 30 minutes early. I had time. Left me at home. I, I mean, know. just left me <laughs> I was like, early. oh, I gotta go. Bye. And so I was like, I got some time. I'll go in the slow lane. And so I was like, oh, it looks like there's some traffic up there around that curve, but it's okay because I'm going slow. And like, I typically would have seen the traffic and been like, ah, nope, skit and get off and, you know, go, go do whatever. And it ended up that it was not like a little bit of traffic. It was standstill traffic. And it took me like 45 minutes to get to dance. We were late. And I was like, okay, God. 
This is what you have for me today, yeah. so I'm going to just live it. Listen, y'all get to hear these sermons. We're already living in this stuff before, and it's making us miserable first. All right, third thing, come to a full stop at a stop sign. When was the last time y'all did that and a cop went behind you? Come on, I mean, like, come to a stop and go S-T-O-P, then go. That takes five seconds, but slow yourself down. I know, someone's laughing, is that... <laughs> How many of y'all have gotten a ticket for running a stop sign? I mean, I have before, but like, for real. Just slow down, come to a full stop. See how hard that is. Number four, don't text and drive. It's happening. So not, not only is it illegal and thousands of people die from it, but you don't have to do it. That, that text message, that Instagram post, like those aren't that important. Just leave your phone for the 15, 20 minutes that you're in the car. And other people can wait. You don't have to respond to everything immediately. Let me just give you that permission. All right, number five is show up 10 minutes early to an appointment without your phone. Sit down, leave your phone in the car, and sit there, read a magazine, pray. If you're nervous about the appointment, pray. All right, you don't even need your phone anyway, right? But like, sit there and enjoy, make a friend, invite someone to church. Look at, I mean, just people watch. That's one of my favorite things to do ever, but show up 10 minutes early without your phone. This one might be the hardest one on the whole list for me personally. Get into the longest line at the grocery store. I think I found one for Thomas right here (laughs) tomorrow. (laughs) Look, Look at the lines, pick the longest one, and take the two extra minutes to force your soul off of the drug of hurry. What if in that moment God spoke to you and said, pay for the person's groceries behind you? right. But you didn't even know there was a person behind you because you're in a hurry, you're on your phone, and you've missed an opportunity to bless somebody. Think about that. All right. Number seven, turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. I like this one. Take off your email. Take off your social media. Take off YouTube. Take off everything. Turn off your notifications. Like literally turn your iPhone into a dumb phone. I would encourage you. There's new modes called focus modes on the iPhone. If you're not on the iPhone, I don't even know what you're doing with your life anyway, but it, it, but you can literally set modes on your phone, but they don't allow you to do things. And it might be good. Maybe don't do this all the time. If that sounds too crazy, do it for a day, right? Like do it one day a week. Do it one day a month. Just build something in. Turn your smartphone into a dumb phone. And if that's still too much and that's still too tempting to you or too, you know, all consuming to you, they still make flip phones. If you want to go for the whole thing. That's number eight, flip, by the way. Uh, yeah, that's the next thing. Get a flip phone or ditch your phone altogether. I don't know how people could do that, but you know what? If that's what God's telling you to do, run with it and I'll support you. All right. Speaking of phones, we're staying on there. Number nine is parent your phone. What do I mean by that? Put it to bed before you do and make it sleep in just like you do with your kids, right? Like put it to bed at 830 and don't pick it up until you're done having your quiet time the next day, right? Like, parent your phone. You're, you're not a slave to your phone. Your phone is amoral. It does whatever you want it to do, right? So parent your phone. Yeah, so number 10 is keep your phone oh, off. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Keep your phone off until after your morning quiet time. That can be your time to go into Aramos, to go into a quiet place. It can be the morning. And then when you're done, go pick up your phone. But statistics say that 75% of us sleep next to our phone and that 90% of us are checking our phone immediately after waking up. I'm guilty of this. Yeah, no, me too. I'm, I'm guilty me too. But but honestly, that Facebook post, the Instagram picture, that that news article, like those things aren't filling up your soul and getting you ready for the day. So why are you wasting your time? And by you, I'm talking to me too. Why are we wasting our time doing that in the mm-hmm. morning? 
Number 11, set times for email. Here's a trick that I used to do, all right, before I, we planted a church, is there's something called the 321 method, which means check your email three times a day for 21 minutes. So three, two, one, right? And don't check it any other time. Once it's done, it's done, and, and leave it. And some of you are like, well, I can, my job, yes, it can. Like, just relax, right? You're ridiculously in charge of your schedule and your phone. Uh, so set, set uh, times for your email. Yep. Number 12, set a time for social media. Your phone makes it super easy. You can set a, a thing. I, I can't tell you how, but you can go into your settings and you can set a limit. It's called your, screen time on phones go. that matter. Your phone, will, phone. <laughs> your phone will literally not allow you to be on social media after you've used it for a set amount of time. Or better yet, get off for a season or maybe altogether. Murder your TV. Number 13, murder your TV. Maybe when we do our 21 days of prayer and fasting, which we'll do in January... Maybe that's your 21 days. I'm not going to turn that TV on for 21 days. We did that. It's harder than not eating food. I'm telling you that's right what, now. That's what we were doing when God started stirring Oasis inside our hearts was we were not watching TV for 21 days. You are days. right. Yeah. And we would not, you, you wouldn't be in this room right now if it weren't for that silence and solitude. But maybe for you, it might, don't murder your TV, but go a season without Netflix, without watching something, without doing something like that. Um, number 14, single task. Multitasking is a myth. It doesn't exist. You're not really doing it. You're doing multiple things at half capacity. So just work on one thing at a time. And when you're done with that thing, move on to the next one. Yep. Uh, next one, number 15, walk slower. Try this. <laughs> I see some people shaking their heads at me. It's really, really hard when we're walking together. He's like, this is how I'm walking. I'm like, no, we got to go somewhere. Yeah. We got to get places. We got to go, go, go. I tell and you, he's this like, is this my is top is... speed right now. This is I, and I, <laughs> I actually bring... don't struggle with this. No. I don't mind walking slow and listening to what people are talking about around you. You get to eavesdrop a little bit. But also, like, I, just walking slow is okay. Maybe just walk a little slower. Number 16, take a regular day for silence and solitude. So we talked about making little moments in your day, but, but schedule a day. Maybe it's once a month or once a quarter, but schedule a day where you turn off every bit of noise and you spend that time with God. Number 17, this is something I did last year, and uh, I need to get back. And I was actually thinking, I've uh, been having, uh, there's a lot of like low grade stress in, in our lives right now. Obviously a lot going on with the church and I can feel tight chested a lot. And uh, did you know your body, I'm going to tell you what 17 is in a second. Your body only processes stress in three ways. This, my counselor told me this is you can either talk about it. You can talk it out. You can work it out physically with your body or you can write it out. And so I took up journaling. I want to encourage you, take up journaling. Now, my journaling is not, dear diary, today Stephanie looked at me and her eyes are so beautiful. And it's not, I do love all those things, but it's not that. For me, it's the stuff that's going, I just list it out. That's my journaling, like buy stuff for church, organize a shipping container, uh, get kids to dance. Like I just, stuff that's in here needs to come out on paper. That's my journaling. It's nothing Fancy, if you read my journal, you'd be like, uh, he's a psychopath, right? Like, you would just look like that. But honestly, there's been times I've been super stressed about things, and I just take 10 minutes and write down my thoughts. And it's like, it's like taking a drug. I mean, it's crazy how relaxed you get just to get it out of your brain. Take up journaling. Yep. 
Number 17 is breathing. 18. Ex- 18, excuse me, breathing exercises. So if you have an <sighs> Apple Watch, um, your, your watch might tell you to breathe whenever you get really stressed. I know mine does. And I'm like, oh, shut up, don't judge me. But really, you can take that time. It's like a minute. If you don't have an Apple Watch, find an app on your phone and take a minute to just sit and breathe and be aware of, of your body and just be aware. Like there's something in, it's a, a physical relaxation thing mm-hmm. um, that can just make you slow down. Yeah, that's proven, scientifically proven just to help you relax a little bit. Number 19, I understand this doesn't apply to everybody, but if you can, take longer vacations and can I get an amen from somebody, right? Like you you have my permission. Now, some of you might not have the time or if you're not working, you're not making money, uh, but I would encourage you, try to find a long weekend where you're gonna get a free day off right? And tack it on to a vacation. Take time off and don't work. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. And here's the deal. This is something that Stephanie and I do. Uh, and we, we, have, we, we do a good job of taking time off when we need it and all that kind of stuff. But um, something that we're going to start doing is we're going to start taking 14 consecutive days off every year, non-nego- at least Every year, non-negotiable. Well, who's going to preach? I don't even care about that, right? Like, uh, here's what I know. I want to be in ministry in 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. I want to still be in the game. I still want to love my family well. I still want to have a great marriage. I, like, and if it takes me and Stephanie getting away with our family for that long, we're going to do it. Why? Because this is a stressful job. I'm just going to be honest. Like, there's just a natural things. This is, is a stressful thing. And this is time where we can every year take off two weeks and we can go. And you know what? We're all going to make it and we're going to come back and you're going to have better pastors after that. But that's something that we want to do and I want to encourage you to do. And if you haven't worked your way up at work to do that yet, find a long weekend. Man, take, uh, take maybe spread out one of your weeks and do several long weeks weekends or do something, but build this into your life and take time off. You know, studies even say that you can't even fully rest if you do a seven or fewer day vacation. It's not even working. And I know in America, like we don't, we mostly start with two weeks of vacation after you've been there for a year or something like that. But I'm just telling you, your body is not built to do this. And we're, we're, we're running ourselves into the ground, man, take the RV trip. Right, like I love the dentists did that, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever, and I love that. Take the trip, like do the staycation, turn your phone off, don't respond to my text messages, right? Like just do it, give yourself permission, take long vacations because they don't. I had a, a pastor mentor of mine look at a group of church planners. I went to a retreat that he was leading, and he said, "Y'all need to take at least six weeks off consecutively every summer," and I'm like what are you talking about? That's impossible, you know? And so that's what, but he, he was like, all right, uh, he said, that was a little crazy, but do too, right? And that's what we're gonna start doing, by the way. Thank y'all for supporting us in that decision. All right, here we go. Uh, and number 20, the last one is something that's fun, at least for me. I think it can be fun for anybody. Cook your own food and eat in. Find a fun recipe, that you, something that you love to go out to eat, and find a recipe for it and make it home and enjoy it. Enjoy the process of, of preparing the dish, and then enjoy your hard work. Yeah, and don't listen to this. I'm guilty of this. Don't listen to something while you do it. Just cook. Like, I know that's insane to even think about, right? But like, don't watch anything. Don't listen to anything. Just get in there and cook. And guess what? It's going to taste better. And you're going to save some money, baby. That's what I'm talking about. And if it's like cookies or brownies or sweet treats, bring some to church. Amen. Come on. Hey, 
bring in some food that you've cooked. I mean, come on, what are we doing? All right, um, I think we all have something within that. They didn't want to have at least one thing they could work on out of that 20. Come on, be honest. Now, listen, I know that was a lot. I mean, I feel like we just threw a bunch of stuff, and it was very practical. But what is church for? If we ain't helping you guys be practical in this faith because your faith is practical. Our job is to equip you guys to do work. Yeah. To, that's what our job is. So it sounds super practical, but that's because we want it to be. Find, please find something. I'm tired of seeing all of us tired. Like, and it's not a burden. I'm not saying it's a burden to me. I love all of you more than you realize, but I want to see you thrive. And I, I really do. And, uh, and, and you are responsible for you. So you have to take responsibility and go, you know what? Like something's got to change in my life. And some of you are still thinking, I feel stuck. There's no way I can do that. There's no way. Yes, you can. That's a lie. That's the devil trying to just keep you where you are. Yes, you can. And I want to encourage you to do it because I can't change you. I can tell you what God's word says. I can't change you, but I want you just make the decision. I'm going to change something this week and we're going to be better this week. Let's pray together. We're not going to sing a song. God, we love you. I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your example, Jesus, teaching us how to live life in a way that we can manage. It's actually kind of you. And I pray that we take this to heart and that we change something in our lives this week. God, we love you so much. And I pray for rest in our souls this week. God, would you replenish some people even in this moment? God, would you help us create some space? Help us find creative ways to make this happen. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.